You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Earth Station One, and now we are here to talk about the next in a line of Marvel movies. And this is actually the last one for the foreseeable future, and we are going to be talking all about Spider-Man Far From Home. And if you haven't seen it yet, we are going to be spoiling a lot of it. How exciting! <laughs> Spoilers! Maybe we won't spoil all the names in the credits or something like that, but everything else will be spoiling. So it should be a lot of fun to talk about, and we got a great crew to do it. And of course, speaking of a great crew, my co-host is here all the way, because he's been traveling with Spider-Man through Europe, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! Yes, and my arms are sure tired. Uh, well, they didn't, let, they didn't let you on the airplane. No, no, they, they, there's rules against that, sure. Mm-hmm. So Restraining orders, that type of thing, you know. No, no, I'm great. It's 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 fantastic, of course, to be here. And of course, we've got our uh, you know, it's great to have a reunite reuniting the movie crew. Very much so. Let's welcome Alex and Ashley to the show. Hello. Hey there. So why are they here for rants and raves at the beginning of the show? Hmm. Mike, you actually had a really good topic. And, you know, folks, if you want to join into any of the topics we ever talk about on the show, please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Mike, what is the topic we are going to discuss today? Well, uh, obviously, uh, we're all uh, big fans of movies, and in particular, uh, Disney, Disney movies. So we're talking about, uh, it's not really an actually Disney movie later on with Spider-Man, uh, but um, actually, I think uh, it's in conjunction with Disney anyway. Uh, but um, this week, uh, Disney uh, released some news about two of their live-action remakes. Uh, they released a uh, trailer uh, for Mulan. So it was a first look at uh, the casting and what that movie is going to look like. And uh, that got some some people talking, of course. And But uh, I think the real big news, of course, was the uh, casting uh, of uh, the, uh, the, the live-action Ariel uh, in the Little Mermaid um, remake, which is uh, casting now. Um, you'll have to help me out, guys, because I think her name is pronounced... Halle Berry, Bailey, Bailey, is that right? Not, not Halle yeah. Berry. At first, that, that's the first thing I saw, and I was like, "What? Like that? Isn't she kind of old?" That, but, that was my first thought too when I first read it. I was like, "Uproar <laughs> over this," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, she's you know, character supposed to be 16." Uh, like, is it a re- voice? So they make it another really good movie? CGI. That's all. It has to <laughs> well, you we, know, we did it with Sam Disney- Jack. We can do it with Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Disney is capable of that. I mean, they've used it in plenty of their Star Wars and Marvel movies. Why not, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, things being what they are, um, uh, look, I, I'm, I'm used to, um, when these announcements are made, I'm used to seeing the gut reaction of many, many, many people who kind of like me are, are kind of exhausted of, of Disney ma- remaking all of their, like making live action versions of all of their animated. Um, it does, but I cannot knock the fact that, I mean, as we talked about Aladdin, which we didn't expect would do anything this summer, 
like is right now the number two movie of the summer. Um, that could change in the next couple of weeks, but right now it is like a summer winner. So obviously Disney and all of their remakes have most of the remakes, I should say have done really well at the box office. So people are wanting to see these. I think that partly they're seeing it for nostalgia reasons and curiosity also like, did they just remake it scene by scene and scene and scene? Kind of what I'm expecting fully from Lion King. But, you know, Aladdin, at least they changed it up a little bit. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of them doing the live action remakes. You know, I've been vocal about that before multiple times. And I just, I don't care for it. But when I saw the preview for Mulan, I was blown away. That looks amazing. Yeah, there are people upset about that, though, too. Why? But because not the casting so much as the characters that seem to be missing from the trailer. Uh, from the I have room. not seen, I have not seen the animated movie of Milan. So I, I have no personal connection with this, but there are a couple of characters, I guess that are pretty beloved in the, um, in the animated film that are, do not appear in the trailer. So, um, so I think there was some concern that Disney was changing it a little too much. Oh, because Mushu wasn't shown? I believe so, yes. Is that the character? Yeah, yeah the dragon. Yeah. Gotcha. And there's a lot of talk that Mushu is not in the movie at all. Really? Right. Yeah. So. And I, from what I have heard, I don't think there will be music either. Like, it's not going right. to be a musical. Not going to be a musical. So, so now... I would argue that what's the point of doing a remake if you're going to just do it shot by shot like that seems to be pretty lazy and I don't think that benefits anybody. So I I'm glad when Disney makes changes uh, to to these remakes in order to like show a different side of things or a different perspective on these on these stories, these classic stories that that's interesting to me. Um, some of the ones I've seen ads for, and I haven't really, have I watched any of the live action remakes? I don't think I've seen any of them yet. Um, so obviously they're not, <laughs> obviously they're not winning me over because I don't think I've seen any, uh, trailers that have done like for me, like, like that's not enough for me to go see them They're Like I, I like the classics and I haven't seen anything in the remakes that I've seen thus far that have, uh, made me interested, but I'll tell you what. I haven't seen the animated version of Little Mermaid, but because of all the little trolls that are out there, uh, I'm almost like want to make this one the first one that I go see. Oh, yeah. And it's just it's really frustrating to see people just like so angry and upset when they haven't even seen like a minute of footage. Like I it's it's always just kind of sad to see, like, let this person have a chance to play the role watch a trailer, see what they bring to the character, but it's just kind of frustrating to see this online blowback from just a casting announcement. Yeah, just a casting announcement, and obviously, you know, just because of the color of her skin. Right, yeah, def- definitely very sad. So I hope that people will give her a chance, and this is one of those things where I, I sincerely hope that it's just an online, angry, small group of people and the general public will embrace this. And I think we have seen that different times, but unfortunately sometimes the angry voices online do get a lot of press and then it kind of balloons and blows up from there. 
because controversy creates cash. Um, I will say that uh, all the people who are making noise right now regarding the casting of this, um, because, you know, and, and I get the fact that, yeah, it's a, it's a Dutch story. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm on board with that. Um, maybe, you know, but the character's not, Dutch. I know, but it's still a Dutch story. Also, and, and, and that implies that there are no such thing as black Dutch people. Yeah, I know that. Also the fact that the little mermaid animated television show introduced a black mermaid named Gabriella, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, I would like to point out if everybody's really getting that upset that the little mermaid's not being properly, uh, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for represented, the story of the Little Mermaid was written as a love story to Hans Christian Andersen's gay lover who was getting married. Uh, the character was the character of the Little Mermaid actually does not get to marry the prince at the end and dies and becomes sea foam. Enjoy your Disney movie, kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, yeah. That would that would be even more shocking. I would watch too. that movie, by the way. Um, I of think, course I think you would, Alex. And you know what? I'd pick it to do better than Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> We'd probably pick it to do better than Aladdin, well, based, on based, based, based on track record. Yeah. Um, so here's here's the thing. I, one of the things I like um, is a uh, um, there's an actress. Uh, perhaps you've heard of her. She's an Academy Award winner. Her name is Whoopi Goldberg. And one of the first things that she would do back when she was acting full time was she would look for the roles that specifically said white male, white female. And those would be the roles that she would audition for. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Which is the way it should be. Right. But you know what? By that same token, we have also heard people angry about Tilda Swinton's performance in Doctor Strange. We Which was awesome. She was awesome. About, we've heard people angry about, uh, was it Charlize Theron playing every minority role for the last two years? Um, there's a lot of this out there. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Sean Connery. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I look forward to Connery's performance in Mary Poppins 3. Uh, <laughs> was it Sean Connery in Roots? Yeah. Sorry, it goes all the way back to Mickey Rooney uh, in uh, uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's. These things are all I, out there. Um, you, I'm okay with the. You know what? If if Halle Bailey is a good actress and a good singer and puts together a good performance, the movie's going to be a hit. It's going to be a hit regardless of how angry people are. And the people who are screaming about it online, about ethnicity and all that stuff, I put them into a, uh, a, a an alphanumeric group, and I refer to it as ID10TS. Um, so everybody can just write that down and figure out what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> because they don't know of which they complain. If you're angry, if you're angry about the casting of a African-American female in the role of an animated mermaid, then perhaps you have other issues that need to be worked out. 
in regards to yeah. Mulan, I find it funny that so many people are equally mad about the fact that Eddie Murphy's character is not in it. That gets me hysterical because so half the pe- everybody's complaining about either this person shouldn't be black and why isn't this black guy in the movie? And that tickles me to no end because it just proves that sometimes the internet can get it wrong. And I'm speaking as a person who openly to this day supports snakes on a plane. <laughs> I, I think the proof will be in the box office and I, I have no reason to believe, I, I mean, I think little mermaid will be do very, very well in the box office. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, like I said, I mean, I'll probably pay money to go see it just to, you know, if the, if the controversy still stands, you know, if people, and you know what, if people are, are going to boycott and, and boycott Disney or whatever, that's great because the lines are too long the way it is. Anyway. <laughs> they can't afford to get in at this point anyway. Um, the, the fact I'll, I'll say this outright, I will say this outright. One of the things that I think we saw with Aladdin and the reason why these live action movies are performing as well as they're performing um, I might need to sit down and do some research and see. I know for a fact that Alice, the second Alice in Wonderland live action is the, the least successful of all the live actions. Maybe Dumbo, now that I've said that. I was going to say, even Dumbo? Because maybe, maybe I think Dumbo, Dumbo really under- um, And I can, I can take a look at that, and we can talk about it during the uh, shout-outs at the end or whatever. But um, I, 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 one of the things that, that we have not considered is it's not – why are they remaking these movies? Because they used to just re-release them. They used to just re-release them. The kids who are going to the movies, the target demographic for these movies didn't grow up on Disney movies. They grew up, right now, they grew up on Marvel. They grew up on SpongeBob. They grew up on Nickelodeon and the Disney animated television shows. They didn't rush out to the movies because at the time when they were growing up to become this target audience, the animated movies were either Pixar or Home on the Range and Treasure Planet. No, but they kept on releasing things from the vault all the time. So, sure, sure. But they were well, releasing the Blu-ray and DVD. They weren't bringing well, exactly. it out to theaters anymore. No, that's true, but they did. And and my guess is that you know what? For everybody who is upset by the casting of this, by the time this comes out, you'll be able to watch the original Little Mermaid on Disney Plus all the time, anytime you mm-hmm. want. Stream it up to anything. And <laughs> yes. I, I actually had to change my what I was going to say <laughs> midway through. Midway I through. Good Dream it up your tail, Phil. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. As long as it's a good movie, I could care less if the person's white, black, green, yellow, orange, whatever. If they're entertaining. Exactly. And that gets into the whole that gets into the whole thing, you know, and it's gonna go a little off topic here, but it's okay. Um basically with America we watched just last week we reviewed Good Omens. Mm-hmm. And people were bitching and moaning in that because they had both Jesus in it and they had Adam and Eve and they were represented properly as the part of the world they were from, Mm -hmm. not the European versions. 
and people were up in arms and that got into the whole, you know, people wanting to boycott uh, Netflix because of they wanted them to cancel, you know, good yes. omens. Amazon was willing to back their play. I heard Amazon announced that uh, if, uh, if Netflix canceled good omens, that they would respond by canceling stranger things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was nice. beautiful. Nice. That was a bold move. It was a very, very challenging move. Considering the popularity of the Stranger Things, that was yeah. pretty bold. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, it just it bugs the crap out of me. You know, it things these are fiction, folks. This is not real life. And I don't want to sound like Shatner and say get a life or something. You know, get out of your parents' uh, basements. You know. But it's just, it's ridiculous, you know, get your heads up from under your, but you know, it's just ridiculous. And you know what? Disney is taking a bold step and I applaud them for that. I probably still will not go see it because I'm not in favor of the live action remakes, but <laughs> I, I applaud them for taking chances. So take it for what you will. I'm curious enough to see how the music is handled that I might go see it, especially considering the fact that I didn't see the little, the original little mermaid in theaters. It's probably one of the animated that I've seen the least. So I'm kind of interested in seeing something a little bit refreshing. Um, by the way, through the looking glass, 77 million Dumbo, 114. So, Whoa, okay. wow. so yeah, good call. there you go. Yeah. Another thing I'm curious with the little mermaid is how they will handle all the like underwater scenes. Will it be kind of like Aquaman, but with mer people and how will that work with the singing? So I'm really curious to see how they will pull this off technically. Who are they going to get to play Sebastian the crab? Yes. Aquaman. uh, Keep in mind too, was another uh, white character that was not cast. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a huge financial success. So and we're not even going to get into Hamilton. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, because we can't get uh, in. So, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get into Hamilton. I would love so. to see it. If anyone wants to send the cast and crew of Earth Station One to go see Hamilton, please feel free to uh, send us tickets. <laughs> we're looking at you, Lin-Manuel Miranda, because we know you're listening. <laughs> and thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. People got to chill out. Things are so polarized right now, and I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. And so definitely want to hear from you guys at home. What do you guys think? Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment with the Geek Seat. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. I'm on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. How deep? Dragon Con 2019 is fast approaching, so fill up your buckets of rum and keep up with the latest news, announcements, interviews, and mispronunciations of guest names as only the Con Report podcast crew can make. Let us be your guide each month as we count down to the big event on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media play. Listen to the Dragon Con Con Report. It's almost as good as being there, but without the long lines, smelly gamers, and hangouts. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. It's time for the Geek Seat segment, and we have a new victim, I mean guest tonight, 
Let's welcome Marcellus, the Geek Father. Hello. Hi. How y'all doing? Howdy, sir. Welcome to the station. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, well, you know, it's part of the Podcaster Exchange program. Uh, <laughs> I was... Uh, I've, been, for- I've been loaned out. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to be, you know, on the Blurred Nerds podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. And, and now here you are, you know, sort of... Here sort I am, of- the ambassador of the... Geek Avengers and Blurred Nerds and all that good stuff. Well, for those people who are not familiar with you and your podcast, tell us a little bit about it. Well, a uh, podcast is called The Blurred Nerds. Uh, it's me and my uh, good friend and partner, uh, Jennifer Adams, a.k.a. Little Bit. Uh, we needed something to fill in content for our uh, YouTube channel, and we weren't filming at conventions. So we started a podcast like everyone else does. Huh. And it was just, you know, a nice hour talking about nerd news, anecdotes, nostalgia, old stories, just geek topics in general. And uh, we've been doing it for, oh my goodness, four years now almost. Coming up on our four-year anniversary in November. Well, congratulations. And yes, uh, 170 episodes is it now? We just recorded our 170th on Saturday. You betcha. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it was a lot of fun, so I appreciate uh, joining you uh, last uh, or a couple of weeks ago. Yes, sir. We appreciate having you. We were real excited. Our first uh, out-of-state guest. Yes, I was honored with that. I was like, wow, I, I had no idea. That's cool. Um, and you guys, uh, you know, use a similar program than we do, so that's that made it really easy. Um, yeah, Jen was real. She says, oh, Mike introduced me to the this, – it's you know program and it, it's great. We should try using it. And I'm like, hey, you know, if it makes it sound better or makes things easier, I'm all for it. We used to use Skype, and it was horrible. We'd be in the yeah, middle. Yeah. We've, we've all got horror stories. For Skype. <laughs> got Skype be, horror stories. I'd be in the zone on a rant, just like this is gorgeous, <laughs> this is gold, and it, it would drop the call like all the time. We were just like, all right, we're over it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, for those people, like I said, who are uh, not familiar with the podcast, what, what do you, what do you, what do you guys cover like every week or so? Uh, usually every week we general nerd news. Uh, if it's during the television season, we'll cover, uh, you know, information about shows we watch or new shows, a lot of behind the scenes drama on shows, you know, we'll give people the reasons why this gets canceled or, this gets canceled or renewed or, you know, uh, just keep people in the know generally. Uh, and if it's not TV, it's movies, you know, we talk about our, our geek Venger movie nights and, uh, we usually go to big time, you know, nerd movie premieres. And we go with like a group of anywhere from 15 to 20 to 25 people, you know, geek Venger crew rolls deep and, uh, you know, we talk about our experiences. We review movies and general wistfulness for the old days of geekdom. <laughs> how, these, yeah, how these young kids are just no, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got an experience a little bit of that when I came on. Well, you, like the old man. We wanted to be fancy and introduce, you know, have topics actually, because most of the time we're just, you know, stream of consciousness, you know off the cuff kind of situation and we mean to have notes and plan, but it doesn't always work out that way. 
so, but this time we're like, we're going to try having topics. So you were the first person, you know, to benefit from us actually having some structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, how involved are you with uh, GVTV, Geek Ventures TV on YouTube? GVTV, yeah. Pretty involved, actually. Uh, it was me, our friend Timmy Stewart, another friend of ours, uh, Alejandro Trevino. We were just three guys going to the movies all the time, you know, as nerds do. And we're like, hey, you know what? We should start, like, a group. Well, you know, we got to give it a name, though, you know, something cool. And I'm a huge fan of the Avengers, and I think it had just it was going to come out that year. Or it just come out, and I was like, "Ooh, we should like call ourselves Geek Avengers." And they were like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, like the Avengers, but we're geeks." And they were like, "That's amazing." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess <laughs> if you say so." I was just kind of spitballing, and so we started Geek Avengers, and uh, what is it? Uh, in July, I believe, 2012. And uh, we went to our first convention that same month where we met a little bit. Thank goodness. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> since since then, we've been going to conventions here locally in San Antonio. And we've been in Houston, Corpus Christi, uh, this general area. And we'd like to go to more conventions. But, you know, money. We're not getting paid to, to go to these things. but we're savvy. We hustle and we, you know, put up, you know, good videos when we can. And uh, we've been blessed to get uh, access to some celebrities and have a few really good interviews. So pretty involved. I'm on air talent. And because you put a mic in my hand and magic happens, apparently that's what they tell me. <laughs> like you're just so, you know, uh, good on the spot in with your voices and, you know, your general knowledge and your intelligence and your, your charisma, we got you got to do this. I was like, okay. And I'd never been in front of a camera before on a microphone or anything like that. So it was kind of learning on the fly, you know, and uh, just jumping in the deep end before you know how to swim. And it was great. It's fun. I love it. It seems like um, from what I uh, gathered from uh, the YouTube channel and everything, it seems like one of your passions is is gaming. It is, yes, indeed. And, uh, and has that been something that's been constant sort of throughout your life or was a, a more recent uh, passion? Oh, no. It was the f uh, – I remember distinctly uh, first moving to San Antonio and being seven years old. Uh, my mother got me an Atari because you know, it was sad because it moved so much being a military brat. I was like, <laughs> she's like, shut up. Here's an Atari 2600. And I was like, this is beautiful. You know, just joystick, one button games. I must have played Frontline uh, tank game like so much that I swear I ground down the uh, uh, fingerprints on my thumbs. It was just all day, all the time. Then my best friend, who I met the first day I moved to San Antonio, he's like, hey, man, you want to come over to my house? I got a Nintendo. And I was like, oh, Nin what? <laughs> what is that? Like, just come and see. And yeah, Nintendo, I was, was hooked for life. So I've been gaming for decades now. Atari 2600, Nintendo, 
Commodore 64, Super Nintendo, you know, NES, N64, Sega Genesis, PlayStation, Xbox, Xbox One, blah, 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 yada, 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 and so on and so forth. <laughs> so I currently have an Xbox One and a PlayStation 4. Have a great time with them. That's uh, it's awesome. It's one of the things that, uh, it, yeah, that's one of the one of the um, areas of geekdom that I really uh, I've just dipped my toe into a little bit, so I know very little about it. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's I could I could talk you off for like an hour just about video games alone. We <laughs> <laughs> don't have that kind of time, but. Yeah. Uh, in fact, speaking of time, I think I think Mike, it's time. I think it's time to strap him down in the chair. Are you sure? Oh, you know, sometimes when he thinks he's ready for this strapping, as you like to call it, you know, they are like, eh, "This is easy. This is nothing." But as we found <laughs> out in the last couple of weeks, you know, we do like people in tears. <laughs> is there a safe word? Do I? Do I is it like? Van der Fusten, Gashpitgugen, or something like that? Yeah. Oh, you, you only that. wish. You but, only uh, wish. <laughs> if right, that's we'll what makes you on. feel better, sure. <laughs> bring it on. Okay. All right. Mike, strapped in, tight. Make it a little tighter. He's too chipper. <laughs> they all start off that way. I know. As we found out last week, you know. The one person who was in it last week is still, you know, trying to figure out how did she get so lucky to get tied up by us, you know? <laughs> it's traumatizing. Mm-hmm. All right, Salas, you ready for your first question? I am. Geek Father's ready. Oh, my God, third person. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. What was your favorite geek out moment then? My favorite geek out moment absolutely was getting the opportunity to interview Stanley. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. How did that yeah. come about? Uh, it was, uh, Alamo city comic con 2014. Uh, kind of really good friends with, uh, Apple De La Fuente. He runs, uh, the, uh, convention. Uh, you know, we'd been going for conventions all over. We'd shown him a lot of our videos and we were like, Stanley's coming. We would really love desperately an opportunity to interview, you know, icon legend as I was a huge fan, huge fan. I used to read, I've been reading Marvel comics since I was a wee lad and, uh, you know, read the letters of the editor all the time. I was like, I would love to meet him and talk to him. And, you know, we got our opportunity and he's like, uh, yeah, you know what? If there's time after the, uh, affiliates, you know, the big, big boy stations, Get a shot and there's time, yeah. yeah I, can, I can swing that for you guys in like a couple minutes. And uh, sure enough, I mean, he was, he was a man of his word. And you know, we were waiting at the end of the line in the media room, and he just I watched him walk down and talk to all the other stations. And while I'm watching, I'm trying not to go into complete panic and shut down <laughs> and you know, lose it emotionally. Uh, get to him, you know, he comes to us, thankfully, and we get. Two and a half glorious minutes. He even did a, a bumper for us. You know, you're watching TV, TV. You know, he's like Excelsior. We were over the moon. <laughs> oh, I'm and, sure you, you guys know. were floating high on that one. Yeah, the camera light went off. I handed the mic to one of my friends, 
and a tree went outside and proceeded to fall apart <laughs> and cried <laughs> like a baby. It was so wonderful. It was, you know, I stopped crying, come back in the room. You know, I think everything's good. And my friend Timmy is like, you did great, geek father. And he hugged me. And that's when the waterworks started. Two grown men crying. Like, it was the, just the absolute greatest moment in my entire life. You can see the video on our YouTube channel, Geekvengers Television. Actually. Oh, that is awesome. I look, I look all professional and slick, like I know what I'm doing. And everyone's like, how? Do you remember what you asked him? I'm like, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> I always have to watch the video. And, fo- and folks, this gets to show people that looks are deceiving. So it's perfect. Uh, yeah, the whole video, I was compartmentalizing and just on autopilot. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your most disappointing geek mo- moment? Like we talking events or just whatever you feel I- like. This is your segment. Oh, so enjoy yourself. No. <laughs> well, my most disappointing geek moment would have to have been uh, the day I found out that he passed, Stanley. Uh, yeah, that that was like the saddest, literally. I don't think I cried that hard when, you know, relatives died. <laughs> Sad to say. Wow. It was just, well, I mean, obviously I cried hard for you know, my mother and father and all that stuff, but you know, it's like, oh, a distant cousin died. Oh, okay. I'm sad. I'm sad. But, mm-hmm. you know, hearing him pass and, and I think I was, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, was out somewhere doing something. A friend of mine, you know, texted me, dude, Stan Lee died. And I was like, don't, don't F with me, man. Don't, <laughs> don't be playing. That ain't funny. It's not a funny joke. He's like, no, no, man. It's like CNN and stuff's reporting. And I was like, yeah. And of course I went and checked the news out. Tears, just waterworks. Just, then I watched our video and I, and I was just like, huh, 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 huh. you know, just the heaving sobs. You know what I mean? The, Snot running out your nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was in the doctor's office waiting room, you know, with a friend of mine, you know, getting ready for an appointment, and I was sitting there like, <laughs> you know, other people obviously were like, "Okay, does he have a problem? <laughs> Is he special needs or you know?" I was like, "No, man, Stanley died, man." And they're like, "Uh." Okay, you know, most mm-hmm. people are like, Ooh. but some Ooh. people are like, oh yeah, damn, that's sad. Damn, yeah. I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, man. Yeah, so it's like he was just one. Was like, you know, when like same way with like Leonard Nimoy died. He was just a geek icon that oh, yeah. you had around your whole entire life. You just expected him to live forever. And Stanley, you're like, he was almost ninety six years old. And you're like, hey, what? The man is a machine, you know. He is literally the watcher. Well, exactly. And as we like to say, you know, Shatner's probably been dead for three years, but he hasn't let anybody know it yet. Oh well, yeah. I funny story about that. Last year, this last year, ACC, ACCC. I always forget when C. uh, Was backstage and was just chatting, you know, watching one of the. the panels and the Shatner panel and I'm sitting there talking to his manager and uh, he was just so slick on stage, like telling all his 
funny anecdotes and stories. And then he gets off stage and he's like complete shutdown mode robot. <laughs> he just walked. It was almost like he was on remote control. <laughs> yeah, maybe he has been dead for three years. Mm-hmm, exactly. Maybe that's he just, a clone. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Or, or is it I, maybe it's the evil Shatner? No. Yeah. I'm evil Shatner from the mirror universe. <laughs> See? I killed the real William Shatner and uh, taken his place. <laughs> my God. My really old God. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm super old. Yeah. Trying to stay relevant. What geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? Oh, goodness. That's, that is a tough question. Uh, I do love so many things so deeply, but I think what geeks me out the most are movies. I've been uh, a cinephile since wee days of my consciousness. Seeing Star Wars the summer of 78 for the 14 times that summer, uh, being only uh, three years old, vague remembering most of you know it was my babysitter who was fourteen at the time. You know, talked to her years later. She's like, yeah, I took you so many times that summer. You would not shut up about that damn movie. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, I don't really remember much. She's like, Oh no, you just every day we're living on a military base. It's a small rickety wooden movie theater at two screens. Both of which were playing Star Wars. Star Wars. You asked me to take you every day I babysat you. And I got so sick of that movie. I hate Star Wars this day. I'm like, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm real sorry. My bad. Oh, you know, my parents taking me to see, you know, because I'd be quiet during the movie because I'd be interested in completely, you know, mm-hmm. just watching in absolute rapture. I was just enraptured by the whole thing. They took me to see Alien. I was four, and my dad thought it was fine. I went out with a babysitter. It's fine. He watches the screen, and he just gets so quiet. So fine. Won't be you know, crying or yelling or nothing. And I didn't during the movie, but I was freaked out. I was scared. <laughs> well, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that movie uh, scarred me. I was scared of the dark for like six years after that. It was turned on every light in the house all the time. Uh, honey, like, honey, why did he keep the lights on all the time? Yeah, exactly. Stop it, stop it mom. Stop it. Stop. Don't turn the light off. Whatever you do. <laughs> honey, I got I got you this egg. No. Ah! <laughs> no eggs. No eggs. Ow. So, yeah. And then Empire Strikes Back, you know, I was oh, four yeah. and a half. I remember it was a big family trip. We were living near we were living in maryland at the time and uh, gotcha. we we went to dc which wasn't close uh we were still we were about two hours outside of dc my dad was like you know what damn it he was a nerd himself big gaming nerd and you know back in the day so he was like oh, you know what we're going to see this movie uh so that he is awesome. the family in the in the family truckster uh, me my older sister my mom my older sister wasn't so interested where <laughs> we had a picnic, we went and saw the sites and walked around DC, saw all the monuments, everything, and the whole all day. I'm thinking about nothing but Empire Strikes Back. You know, we went to like a midnight show back in the days when they had midnight shows. Oh yeah, and I was awake the whole day 
My mom was like, honey, you know, my dad was like, well, what if he falls asleep? My mother knew me to my core. He's not going to fall asleep. He is not. And I sat between my mom and dad. Feet didn't touch the floor. I had my little soda that I barely drank, and I was mesmerized, and I've been on the movie train ever since. What turns your geek off, though? Uh, okay. Well, since I'm a huge Star Wars, I love Star Wars. I love everything about Star Wars except the fandom. That turns me off. It turns my geek button off. Like just when I start hearing fans, just and it's not even just Star Wars. It could be any fandom really. They just get they get excessive. They get extra, if you know what I mean. They just complain about every little thing. Or they just rant about things. The people that are like, "What? Luke Skywalker with the hell of him? I'm never going to watch Star Wars again." I'm like, "Shut up! You know you're going to be in line for the next movie. You're going to be like the first nerd in line for the next movie." No, I won't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the next movie. I hate Ray. Next exactly. Movie. Oh, oh Finn. You're like, Finn, yeah. you know, I understand you are like the minority in this, but you're so vocal and you're so loud. And it, it just, I just like, why can't we just all, we can have debates about things, but you just, you're so, mm, ah. it's, it's like I coined the term in our last episode of the Blurred Nerd. I was like, these folks have drank so much haterade, they have hatabetes. <laughs> just that's bravo just, sir bravo thank you thank you thank you i i coined that term you may use it at your leisure but it's <laughs> i might i might be using it later in this podcast it's okay hey man you're welcome that uh, is awesome it's just and it's that and i'm like oh that is awesome mm. what fictional character would you like to meet the most what fictional character Goodness. You guys are hard hitting with the questions. See, he's, start, character. he's starting to melt, Mikey. He's <laughs> starting to buckle. See it. Fictional character I would like to meet the most. Uh, I would have to say um, Yoda. Yoda. Only because Yoda was my mother's absolute favorite character. She loved Yoda to death. And when I was, you know, four and a half, hearing Yoda, Empire Strikes Back, everything he said made complete sense to me. And it was like, I could live my whole life with this philosophy. Do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> yes, you know. And then the whole thing Diatribe had on uh, Last Jedi, when he was telling Luke to be a, a grown-ass man. <laughs> like, suck it up, bro. You know, almost, I could hear it almost like, you're a 60-year-old grown man. You need to suck it up. We all fail. You know, failure, you know, the best teacher failure is. And I was like, you are so right, Yoda. Again, you know, 30-some-odd years later, you're mm-hmm. right. You're always fix- right, Yoda. What fictional character would you not like to meet, though? Jar Jar Binks. Number one answer. Congratulations. F Jar Jar Binks in the ah, oh, just I have a civilized way of telling him to eat a bag. I'd say, "Thou shall ingest a satchel of Richards." That's, and, I 
Mm, you don't think so. <laughs> yeah, Misa, Jaja Binks. Ah, Misa. No, you no, said no, 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 hell no, out of here. No, 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 no. What is your favorite? What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Indeed. Indeed. Interesting. Indeed. I'm Indeed. a huge Stargate SG One fan, and Teal is my absolute favorite, like non Star Wars character, non Marvel. I. Love him and the death. Christopher Judge is great. He played the voice of Kratos in the most recent God of War game, which I love to death. Just hearing him, you know, talking about being Kratos. That's awesome. awesome. He's cool. and Kratos. So he, you know, his little catchphrase every time someone would say something or have an affirmation, he'd just be like, indeed. And I catch myself doing it all the time. My friends are like, you know, you sound like Teal when you do that. And I was like, oh, that's by, uh, it's on purpose. <laughs> so, yeah, I say indeed all the time. Cool. What is your ideal geek occupation? Uh, ideal geek occupation would either be, you know, nerd YouTuber or, uh, you know, a podcaster, you know, earning dollars to do that. Huh. Of that dollars wow i thought pennies i know right that's how i know it's a dream you said you got- <laughs> you're thinking big man wow. i'm thinking huge man i'm like godzilla big over here you know I'm wow like, you know this what geek occupation would you not like to do though oh i would hate being like a film critic I review movies. You're a I, podcaster. You're a film critic already. I, I, I know. Well, it's not so much a film critic as, you know, I I love these movies and, you know, I will review them and I'll be honest, but it's like, I would hate to have to do it just specifically that as a career. Like, I wouldn't want to be a, like a Roger Ebert or anything. That just doesn't sound like it's fun because you can't just go to a movie and enjoy it. You're always going to a movie having to review the dang thing. Like, I don't review all the movies I see, just, you know, the ones that are nerd adjacent or you know, just directly nerd movies. There's a lot of stuff I see that I'm just like, eh, you know, I want to see this because personally I'm interested in this. It may have nothing to do with geekery at all. You know, so I'm in, in, other, in other words, you don't want to have to watch the next uh, Pets 3 or... Oh, exactly. You know, exactly. I don't want to have to watch Air Bud 17 or whatever. You know, it's like, but they have to go to all these movies. And, you know, a lot of them are stink fests. I mean, just, you know, failures of epic proportions. And they've got to, like, review and tell people how bad the movie was. And it's like, that's two hours of your time. You have to sit there and pay attention. Not just watch, but take notes, pay attention, and then take those notes and crap all over the movie. It was horrible. Like all those fans. All those yeah. have to go see the new Dora the Explorer movie, you know? Yeah, I know. Swiper, no swiping. Yeah. Especially if you're like, you're like, you know, grown person, like you're 50. You're like, I'm 50 and I'm watching this movie. I, no. That sounds mm. like a, a gig I would not want to be exclusively a movie critic. Could understand that. Are you ready <laughs> for your final question, Celis? Yes, hit me. Okay. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Remember, we are a family-friendly show, though. Oh, no, no. I, I understand. And I, not, even if I had that, I wouldn't go there. My ultimate geek fantasy is to be part of the crew of the Millennium Falcon. Or to be the captain of the Millennium Falcon. 
to be literally Han Solo, with Chewie at my side, flying the Falcon, being a smuggler, just doing whatever, having the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy, 0.5 past light speed, we're talking, highest class hyperdrive, perfect. It just it nothing. You, you just want better. You just want to make the Kessler run. That's it. Exactly. I want to make the Kessel run in under twelve parsecs. Exactly. Well, he's like eleven. <laughs> well, I guess you can keep the name Geek Father because you've just made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations, Mister Mike Thank Gordon. You. Tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth sixty-eight dollars and four cents. Oh, God. Oh. oh, I feel so honored. I feel special. This is the best moment of my entire life. Wow, you really need to get out more. Um, uh, uh, no, I was totally lying. I mean, he's not coming out of the chair anyway. <laughs> um, dude, it's been great chatting with you. Uh, we'll have oh. to have you back for sure. Um, but in the meantime, if people want to listen to you and our good friend Jennifer, where can they go? Uh, you can go to uh, our Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> Blurred Nerd. You just search for it on uh, Facebook. Page will pop up, and all the episodes are posted there. Uh, it takes you direct link to, uh, you know, where the podcasts are going to list, and you can listen to them. We record and post episodes every Saturday. And, uh, yeah. So you can also listen on Stitcher or iTunes, we are, you know, you can even leave a review on iTunes if you like, you know, get our reviews up and get our status up. Make the episode super popular, you know, so people will see our numbers and be like, these guys are the next nerdist. Something like that. <laughs> you know how many people want to try to be that? Oh, I know tons. And, you know, we would love to be that too. Why not? Why not, right? Why, well, I know. Why not? We're 170 episodes in. It's like we're almost at syndication at this point. <laughs> 170. <laughs> 170? That's nothing. I know. We're still babies. You're still kids. So well, we will have links to all of those in our show notes so that people can uh, check you guys out. Geek Ridgers Television on YouTube. The Blurred Nerd Podcast. Uh, we have a, a fan page and a group page if anyone, you know, is and wants to join. Awesome. I recommend checking it out, especially episode 169. It's a winner. Uh, I know. We've got some guy named Mike on there. Oh, <laughs> you just shot yourselves in the foot. Ah. Seems like he's somebody. No, <laughs> Mike, he, he's fabulous. You're fabulous. It was fun. It was fun. It was. we got to do it again sometime. Well, there we go. Let's take a quick break. And we'll be back in a moment where we are going to be reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home. Hey everyone, Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. And Brian Eno, who just a couple of months ago was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for once upon a time being part of the band Roxy Music, uh, a couple of weeks ago at the 5th Annual Starmus Festival in Zurich, uh, he was presented with the Stephen J. Hawking Medal for Science Communication and had an asteroid named after him. 
Asteroid 81948 will heretofore be known as Brian Peter George St. John Le Baptiste de La Salle Eno. Yes, that's his real name. Uh, Mr. Eno uh, accepted it and said he planned to mine it. Um, this asteroid was discovered back in 2000 by an American astronomer. His name's Mark William Bowie, and he's discovered nearly a thousand orbiting spheres in space. So he's probably found a few more uh, since then. So a big uh, year for Mr. Eno. And in other news, uh, Slater Kinney's longest-serving drummer, uh, Janet Weiss, has announced that she's leaving the band. She uh, made a statement on Twitter uh, saying the band is heading in a new direction and it is time for me to move on. Um, she has been with Slater Kinney since right before their 1996 album, Dig Me Out. Uh, Slater Kinney was on a, on a long hiatus of about four years and they recently came back with two new singles and a new studio album called The Center Won't Hold, produced by St. Vincent. Um, they are going out on a long uh, American tour in support of this, but it looks like uh, Janet Weiss will not be part of that tour. From her statement, it kind of sounds like there's some tension there, but uh, they were pretty gracious in their response. Um, they posted on Instagram saying it had been an incredible privilege, privilege to work with such a talented musician and drummer over the course of so many albums. So we'll see who is drumming for Slater Kinney as they go out on the road pretty soon. That is the news in music for this week. Check out the blog at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com and we will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes the Spider-Man. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the main segment, and guess what, kids? It's all about Spider-Man! Spider-Man from- in the MCU! Well, exactly. It should be very interesting, because he's away from home. And f- Yeah. <laughs> Far from home. Far from home, yes. And we are going to talk all about it. We've got, of course... Ashley and Alex are still here. Got the Geek Father still here too, but he's—I uh, don't know. I think he's passed out. I think the Geek Seat took a, a lot out of him. So. No, I had the ball gag. So, oh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so uh, I won't ask why you have it, but uh, anyway, uh, well, we'll just move on from there. Don't, don't ask yep. me to bring the gimp up. That's all I ask. No. All right. So, <laughs> Spider-Man: Far From Home is the next movie. It's actually the twenty-third film in the MCU. I believe it's the sixth Spider-Man movie that we've gotten since we've gotten Spider-Man movies. Um, and it's, it's not only, um, no seventh, seventh, seventh. Yeah. yeah. There were three Raimi. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. There were three. I get two, confused. Cause there's Raimi. two, there's two Andrew Garfield, three Raimi films. And now this is the second one. Yes. And that's not even including but like, the- uh, Fifth movie that Holland's done as Spider-Man, yes. which is crazy. That's where you're yeah. getting the sixth from. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Um, 
You need a scorecard. Not only does this movie have, like, it's under the shadow of Endgame, but also I feel it's also under the shadow of Into the Spider-Verse, which took everybody by surprise last year and, like, is an Oscar winner. It's just um, everybody's still talking about that movie. And I think in some ways this movie kind of, kind of used a little bit of that to its advantage, although I'm not sure how intentional that was. But I want to hear about, uh, starting with you, Ashley, what were your expectations going in? And overall, what was, what was your thoughts going out? Yeah, so we're kind of in an interesting space here. Like you said, coming off of Into the Spider-Verse, which is not only my favorite Spider-Man films, but one of my all-time favorite superhero films. So... I had that fresh in my mind and thinking, how would this compare to that? And then we also have the hugely epic film that is Avengers Endgame. I mean, how do you follow that? You really can't. It's this movie that is spanning like 10 years of storytelling, more than 20 films. Um, We say goodbye to quite a few major characters and wraps up for all intents and purposes. Kind of this stage is the MCU and none of us really still know what's coming next. So that's a lot of pressure to put on Spider-Man far from home shoulders. And so just due to all that, I was kind of maybe not as hyped for this movie as I might have been otherwise, but I think that kind of ended up working in its advantage because I went in and just ended up having a really fun time. I think they were smart. They, they don't even try to match the epic level of Endgame because you can't. And it's just kind of this fun, like teen vacation comedy that also has some superhero stuff thrown in. And I just love seeing Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He's my second favorite Spider-Man after Miles Morales from Into the Spider-Verse. And you can tell everyone was having a good time on this movie. So it is, it's just a great fun summer blockbuster. Um, kind of ranks in the middle of the MCU movies, but definitely one that I really enjoyed. Had a chance to see it twice already so i'm looking forward to talking more about it with you guys wow you've seen it twice already yes so thank you to my amc a-list membership so (laughs) it's like i want to go see that again wow membership has its perks it does um alex before i get to your thoughts on going in and out uh just real quick uh box office wise because we've been talking about how this summer has been a weird one i think everybody was hoping that the summer we get back on track with this movie. Um, what do you um, think? And this one's kind of weird. It's a July 4th opening weekend, but July 4th was on a Thursday. And this movie was actually released the Tuesday beforehand. <laughs> right, Tuesday night. So this movie has, te- well, there was actually midnight showings on Monday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So it actually released at 1201. On, on Tuesday morning. So you had Tuesday morning uh, uh, midnight shows. Um, so instead of having a traditional four-day weekend for the 4th of July, this one actually had a six-day weekend. And for the uh, uh, essential weekend, the, the initial three-dayer, this movie pulled in $92.5 million, which for July 4th actually trends a little low but for the six-day weekend, it took in $185 million, which is pretty good. Pretty solid. How was it worldwide, though? It, uh, let me bring that. I apologize that I don't have this. I do know it's the sixth uh, highest grossing film of the year. So, so the, for the weekend gross, uh, Spider-Man internationally 
did, um, it's giving me all kinds of enterprises. It made 7 million in Australia. Crikey. Uh, (laughs) I have here that it Uh, has grossed over 577 million worldwide. Wow. See, yeah. Yeah, it did 392.7 million uh, overseas. So it's pulled in 68% of its gross so far in seven days. Um, it's pulled in, you know, a half billion dollars. So not shabby. No, not at all. So, you know, I don't, we don't know if it's got Aladdin legs, but, you know, still. <laughs> well, well that's, 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 yeah. that's the one to beat, right? Um, yeah. And interesting fact, simply because that's been my fascination for this summer. Uh, this weekend, out of the top five movies, Aladdin had the smallest drop at 26%. Wow. That one just keeps it. And it was still in it the top. It will not stop. Well, that thing will not no, go away. I mean, for those people, just before we go on with uh, Spider-Man, um, so number one is still Endgame, although, you know, I know what, I know, Alex, you consider it like not, not a summer movie. It came out before I know. May. And then uh, <laughs> number two is Aladdin. Uh, number three is now Toy Story 4. Uh, and Spider-Man Far From Home is number four. So, uh, yeah. And then John Wick, who I think is... I am just smile every time I see that. John Wick 3 is the number f- five top movie of the summer. Now, of course... That's that's he is the change. hero of the summer. That's yeah. probably going to change when Lion King comes out. But I feel like after Lion King, this is pretty much set. Although we'll see what uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, what? Hobbs and Shaw is the wild card exactly. at this point. So, all right. Because it's either going to do really well or it's not. But getting back yes. to Spider-Man. Um, excuse me, Spider-Man. My apologies. Um, so I enjoyed Homecoming. I didn't think it was great. Like I like Tom Holland's performance. I thought they did some great character aspects. And I, again, with that one, I was really big more on the way they handled Michael Keaton's character with the vulture. This one, because I knew who Mysterio was, the reveal meant nothing to me. Um. And going into the film, I was like, uh, you know, I'll, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy it. I, I didn't make it a point to rush out the day it came out, though. Uh, and it may be because I am battling the dreaded thing that James Cameron talks about, which is hero fatigue. Um, <laughs> and you know, especially after Endgame, which was just so huge, was I ready right now for another superhero film? And Thanks to uh, the AMC uh, a a list thing, um, friend of the station Lacey Aderhold or Aderhold uh, took me to see Spider Man, and we saw it in IMAX. Nice. Oh, cool! Yes, and I can tell you after seeing it in IMAX, definitively, Spider Man Far From Home is loud. It's a very loud movie. <laughs> Um, I, I love Tom Holland. I think he is my favorite Spider-Man and I am absolutely just whelmed by the movies. Okay. 
Whelmed is it? Well, whelmed uh, it is. Whelmed is it? Well, whelmed it is, and it may have to do a lot with the fact that after Infinity, and Infinity War wiped me out bad. Endgame had a nice ending to it uh, and re- a resolution, and I just don't know if I'm ready to pick back up. Fair enough. You know, um, Ashley, did you have something that you wanted to? Oh no, I just think that that is really interesting to bring up that's one of the things i was really wondering post in game if people would be in the mood for more superhero movies or if everyone would kind of need like a collective break so i i don't know that far from home will answer that question necessarily because it really is kind of tied into in game you know we saw spider-man in in game he was snapped now he's back and this film kind of deals with tony stark's legacy so I think it'll be interesting to see the next film beyond this, what Spider-Man's legs are of this movie and then what comes next. But there's, there's a lot of interesting things that are going to be coming from the MCU. I think it'll be, it'll be hard to predict what will happen. It, there really is. There's absolutely, we have literally no idea uh, because of this movie, what could possibly happen next. Um, And which is actually a good thing. We've got some idea. We got I saw the I saw the, uh, the 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 end end scenes. So we've got uh, we've got some idea. I cannot wait to talk about that first end scene. Uh, yeah, I but, know um, that's going to be amazing. But first, Mike, what did you think? I thought this was just like an extra epilogue to Endgame, and I thought it, this was just an extended, you know, extra cre- credit scene. Pretty much. It was like, okay, this is still what happened after the blip, as they were calling it in this movie. And there was a lot of things we had talked about happening in this film, especially in the first 15, 20 minutes of the film, what we had talked about on the podcast when we reviewed Endgame, you know, about people coming back, you know, where would they be? Would they be right where they disappeared from? What happens to people in airplanes and, you know, what happens to people who are on boats or, you know, stuff like that and or in cars. Yeah. The fact that they openly talked about the homelessness situation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, was great. I loved that. I thought that was great. I will say props to the tuba player for taking the basketball. Oh, to the that head. was so awesome. <laughs> That was great, but I would have been much happier if the blip had occurred, the blip occurred and they were playing dodgeball. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that still was pretty darn awesome. And you had the ramifications of these kids who were in high school and you know disappearing for five years and still being young when they came back, and all the p- other people who were left behind. You know, they're five years older. A lot of the people who you know were in their classmates. We're now in college and such. Or, you know, what happens to, you know, people who had crushes or relationships or, you know, and they did touch on a lot of that. Look what happened to the uh, one teacher who was one of the chaperones. You know, his wife pretended to blip. And, you know, my favorite favorite one is the one where the kid's like, "Uh, now I'm older than my older brother. (laughs) No. yeah, Yeah, exactly. My younger brother's now older than me. Yeah, exactly. Which is like crazy. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it was the movie was fun. Tom Holland is awesome as Spider Man. He is, you know, as you know, good as I liked Andrew Garfield. 
And except for how the hair held it, his hair still looked great after he took off the mask, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but really it was exactly, well, exactly. I think Tom is, is Peter Parker. He is great as Peter. And I th- loved his expressions. I loved his looks. Uh, I liked, you know, all the different, you know, situations he was in. You know, I've been reading Spider-Man my whole life. So knowing that Mysterio was going to be the villain, I knew we were going to be in for a wild ride, but I wasn't expecting how much of a wild ride we got. And we'll talk all about that in a bit. But I was pleased with it. But I think I finally, when I walked out of the theater, I walked out of it in a bad mood. I really did. And I think I have superhero fatigue. I really do. Wow. Okay. Well, um, uh, I look, Spider-Man is my, one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, the two, my two favorite comic characters, superhero wise are, uh, Batman and Spider-Man. So I've like you, Mike, I've been reading it my whole life and I've just, uh, loved it. Um, I was really looking forward to this, um, especially because uh, Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, is one of my favorite bad guys. Um, And so to see him on the big screen, I was really curious as how they were going to pull that off. Um, And uh, and it's funny because when the when they started showing the trailers, you know, they set up the 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 premise that, of course, you know, he's from the multiverse and and all that. And, and I was like, I'm like, no, don't believe it. And every, like, I saw so many people online and people like, you know, to my face offline were saying like, Hey, this means that like the spider verse is like going to be in the MCU now. Isn't that awesome? And I'm like, don't, don't, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Like if, if Mysterio, if it's coming from Mysterio, like I was like, Hey, I bet it's not, that's not even the real Nick Fury and Maria Hill that we're seeing. And wow. I, I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I didn't know how right I was about that. Um, Cause that really wasn't anything to do with Mysterio. Um, yeah. But if you think about it, this whole movie was about falsehoods. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, see what really surprised me is like, I knew going in and when the f- movie first started, you know, obviously, you know, you've still got like, and the MCU is all about Iron Man. It's all about Tony Stark, all about Tony's like every movie is centered around Tony Stark. And so this one, yeah. no different. It's all centered around, even though he's dead. And I love the uh, acronym for Edith. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's still, I mean, the bad guy, you know, Quentin Beck's you know, whole reason for doing things is because he's pissed at Stark. So, and Peter is, is, is having to deal with that. Um, that said, I, I like the fact that with the whole blip stuff, they got it over with in five minutes at the beginning and they kind of made some, you know, Betty Brant and everything had some fun with it. And that was it. Like that was, I mean, it just so happens. It just so happens that all of Peter's class not affected. Like they all were, they all were part of the blip along with Peter. I'm like, okay, that's kind of hard to believe if it's that random, but okay, sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, Well, and even May. Yeah. Even May. And even anybody associated was, was still there. Yeah, because he he grew in his beard. Um, but okay. So that said, I was glad they they got rid of that in, like in the first five minutes, and it really didn't affect the movie at all. Obviously, the shadow that 
that Tony Stark leaves on Peter. That's, and that was my big problem with the first movie is that they've replaced Uncle Ben with Tony Stark in the Spider-Man MCU universe. And I, that, I, I, I don't like it, to be honest with you, but it is what it is. So, um, so I, I, I accept it and I move on. And outside of that, this movie is just an awesome Spider-Man movie. And it doesn't even, like, like it's a great coming of age Spider-Man and, and, and MJ, excuse me, and MJ and Mysterio. I just, I think the way that they handled Mysterio and taking his origin and implementing it into the MCU was brilliant. Uh, I thought the, it, the, the, the fact that his illusions were made by drones and, and all of that uh, holographic imagery, it just seemed like it would had some real weight to it in a way that I didn't think they would be able to pull off. Um, I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great. And we'll talk about you know, like the rest of the casting and everything like that too. And specifically, but I really, really love this and the ending of it, uh, man, the, the last, like the first, like the mid credit scene, we'll say the last time you see like Spider-Man and everything, just, I cannot wait to see where they take this next. It is, it is just like, it's just amazing to me. Um, uh, so I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think this, I don't know if I want to call it like the best Spider-Man movie. Cause man, I really like that first Sam Raimi one. That really means a lot to me. That's a really special moment for me, but this one is really good. And in some ways I think I might like it better than homecoming. Um, I just thought it was really well done uh, much better. And I was surprised. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'm a fan. Um, all right, so let's talk about some things that we like, some characters that we liked, uh, in particular in this movie, Ashley. So, um, one of the things I like best about these movies is I love like Peter's friends and the fact that they all feel like real authentic high schoolers. Sometimes I, I will watch movies and you know, look at all the people who are supposed to be quote unquote teenagers, like, man, they're so much like more cool and put together than I ever was at that age. So it's nice to see a group of like geeky, awkward teenagers who make me definitely remind me of the experience I had. And I love his friend, Ned, one of my uh, favorite kind of side characters in the MCU. And I also really liked uh, happy Hogan's role in this. Um, as I've mentioned, like many times, Iron Man is my favorite MCU character. So I was hoping that this film would kind of address his legacy and, that going forward. So I appreciated how the film kind of looked into Peter's feelings about losing Tony and the pressures he felt to live up to Tony. And I really liked that scene between Peter and happy in the airplane where happy's like, you know, you, you can't be Iron Man. Even Tony couldn't live up to the Iron Man standard. So you just have to be who you are. And then kind of letting him take on that legacy, not being pressured to be the next Iron Man, but just being free to be Spider-Man as he is. I, I really liked that. And I really appreciated that they address that. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing about the, um, the only thing about the kids that kind of, I, I wish it, they had been more like in the first movie in homecoming, they're a lot more sciencey. That is true. And I kind of wish because the whole point of them going over there was like, you know, they're, they're a, they're a group of science kids. And I really, I thought that element was missing from them in this movie. Like they just seemed like they were just a bunch of kids. Like it didn't seem like they were particularly like smart as far as science goes. 
That's a good point. And especially with like what they were doing as a touring, it seemed like it was more just generic tourist stuff versus like, is this supposed to be a science focused trip? I mean, to be fair, kind of like went off the rails very quickly, but. It yeah. could have been a science trip, but it got hijacked very quickly. Yes. <laughs> Multiple times. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. Um, Alex, something that uh, you liked? First of all, um, I, I, I've been thinking about something that you just said in regards to having um, Tony Stark as the father figure. I am curious about this, and I want you to think about this for a moment. Who would you rather have as a superhero father figure? Tony Stark. Or Kevin Costner's version of Pocket. Oh, don't don't even. That's like <laughs> don't, don't no. I know, no, right? No. It's, it's like this is how you that's, create that's a supervillain. Like, that's like anyway, dropping um, the word Martha in this review. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say Martha? Anyway, exactly. um, Why did you say that name? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, first of all, I I, I also I want to say this. Um, I really really want a Marvel one shot, like a fifteen minute short between Ned and the guy from Ant-Man. Yes. Because I just want those two together (laughs) because their energy would be through the roof. Everybody who has ever done a European trip with your college buddies or your high school friends has had the Ned. The one that's like, we're hooking up with with, uh, European women because they love Americans, which is a phenomenal line. And I loved that even... Even even Spider even Peter Parker kind of looked at him like really is that really <laughs> you know questioned that one. Um, I just the uh, uh, Ned I think it's crazy. They had a phenomenal scene with Flash Thompson. Yes, that I really really want to delve. I like I don't even need to say what scene it is uh, for you to know exactly what I'm talking about. First, I love the fact that he that he uh, uh, really dug Spider Man as mm-hmm. a hero. And really was a fan of his. Um, the the fact that that they come back from the trip and they've been like on the verge of death multiple times, and the entire family know, and all the families know it. And his mom could not be bothered. Yeah, no parents for him. Well, no did you also that. notice, like when they were doing all the different text messages and stuff? He in his it said, "Mom, are you there?" Oh no, I yeah. missed that. Yeah. That's, I, I really that's what noticed, led into that. It was just like, wow. Wow. I really noticed that a lot more the second time I watched the movie. I just like little moments where you see like beneath kind of that facade of like being super cocky and confident. It's like, it's really sad. So I'm guessing they might play into that a little bit more in the next one, but kind of a reason why he's such a bully is that he doesn't maybe necessarily have everything so great in his personal life. Well, oh, that happens quite often. Yeah, that's very true to life. Flash's uh, character in the comics, for sure. Yep. So, yeah. um, Mike, what about you? Um, I have to say Mysterio. I loved loved how they modernized his character, because in the comic books, he was a special effects artist for the movie industry. Yep. And basically, I love what they did with him here, that he was a disgruntled Stark employee. And that he created barf. (laughs) 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 And that then he basically, you know, took that technology. His acronyms are so funny. But he took his technology and that was his powers, basically. And there was real chemistry between him and Spider-Man. 
You I actually felt, was, yeah. I thought Jake was really good in this. And this might be one of the best things I've seen Jake in it. Not that I've seen a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal movies, Gyllenhaal, but this was, I thought he was really impressive in this. Now he's been impressing me with some of his films over the last five years, but I'd like, this is one of his better roles that he's done. And for another villain of Spider-Man, because Michael Keaton basically set the role with Vulture last time. Yes. And to do Mysterio equally as well. And it was interesting because you had last movie, you had the grunt workers who had basically something against the superheroes. And now you have the next level, the mid-level workers for Stark, who basically, you know, then had, you know, had something up against him and they were trying to get better, get revenge or taking his legacy and perverting it in some ways. And it was just really, really well done. And for Marvel to go back to the same actors that they used in previous movies was brilliant. All, even all the way back to the first Iron Man movie. Oh and, yeah. To use um, the kid from Christmas story. Exactly. That's that is Peter Billingsley. <laughs> it is. It is. You'll shoot your eye out kid. Yep. So yeah, it was just, it was just awesome to see that they, that they have such control over the universe that they really want to do these crossovers well it it really i mean the fact that mysterio i mean we see you know we've seen that uh, it's a civil war right where um uh, tony comes out with that holographic yep, thing. the very and first scene in civil war it's really cool and now the fact that it's a it's a kind of integral to this movie it feels so organic like they planned it and maybe they did but I think I think it was just something that some really somebody was really clever was like, hey, we could tie this in. And it's like, okay, you know, like I, it just really works very well. Um, and uh, I, I agree that uh, that's it was pretty awesome. Um, there were two things that uh, there were two moments in this movie that made as a Spider-Man fan and just heck as a geek or whatever uh, made me just want I I wanted to stand up and just cheer like yes. Um, the one, one was regarding the Peter Tingle. Uh, I love that. The Peter Tingle. Use the bigger Peter Tingle. I was, I was getting kind of annoyed with them calling it the Peter Tingle over and over and over again throughout the movie. But to me, the payoff when, when Spider-Man just has to trust his spider sense (laughs) and, 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 and get to Mysterio in, on that bridge, man, that just, that, to me, was a great Spider-Man moment. Uh, one of the best Spider-Man moments I've seen on film. I just thought that was really well done and, uh, and just a great payoff. Um, and the fact that, yeah, he, he's got this ability and he was kind of growing into it. And now we've kind of see what it can do. Um, and that it is one of his, his, his big powers. Um, so, uh, although, you know, apparently it doesn't work if someone's going to throw a banana at you. Um, it is powerless against bananas. We found exactly. it. So the next villain in the next Spider-Man movie <laughs> is Banana Man. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Look out, Speeder. 
Wouldn't that be a hero crossover thing? Because Banana Man was a uh, superhero. <laughs> was he? Um, so uh, one of the secondary shows on uh, on the Danger Mouse cartoon. Ah, I am not so, as familiar yeah. with uh, Danger Mouse's Rogues Gallery. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, one of the problems that I I I don't want to harp on this, and I, and I won't harp on it long. Uh, can Can we discuss the fact that? As of right now, all of Spider-Man's villains are villains because they were angry at Tony Stark. Well, in the MCU, yes, that's true. Yeah, I mean that's all that it is. That's all that we've got. We've gotten we've gotten yeah. two movies and two characters, that's which means that we're not getting. That's Spider-Man. for the entire MCU, though. That's not limited. Well, yeah, because Tony Stark was the main reason for everything being exactly. wrong. I can't um, wait to see T- Doc Ock because I'm sure he worked for Stark also. <laughs> oh, there. You go. Yeah, he's yeah. So he uh, oh oh, there'll be uh, the arms will be the like like uh, uh, you and dummy uh, from that were in uh, that were in uh, uh, Tony's uh, garage. Well, I will say, in my opinion, outside of Doc Ock uh, and and Alfred Molina playing him in the second Raimi Spider Man movie, beautifully, beautifully. I think uh, the one thing that the MCU Spider Man movies have uh, are the best Spider Man villains. Uh, they have the best villains in the MCU uh, because they're the most rounded out. They're the most put together. Yeah, I mean, obviously you could make a case for, I mean, obviously Killmonger is one of the ones that I think most people point to as one of the best, but, and Thanos, of course, too. True. Who? <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's certainly Vulture uh, by Keaton is, 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 I think, well, he was my best villain of the year last year, period. No. Um, so, or was that two years ago? Was that two years ago? That was two. That years was ago. two years ago. Yeah, because you didn't snap up to it, you know. All right, and now, uh, oh, now we're going to talk about the mid-credit scene because uh, that's where um, I picked up and I almost stood up again. Um, uh, as far as like, yes, um, I love the fact that the MCU has acknowledged that nobody. Nobody can play J. Jonah Jameson but J.K. Simmons. Yeah, that was nice. When I saw J.K. Simmons on the big screen as J. Jonah Jameson, I was like, yes, thank you. Because if there's going to be anybody that carries over from the Spider-Man movies, it's it's J.K. as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. And that was as good of a J. Jonah Jameson moment as we've almost ever gotten, at least certain since the Raimi movies. Uh, It was awesome to see him up there in more of like an Alex Jones type character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's true. No, it's, it's completely. And that's what they were going for is DLA bugle.net. And it was, it was awesome. I was like, (gasps) that happened. Well, I just love the fact that this movie ends with the typical Peter Parker. Like, like you, if you think, um, that Peter's life is about winning is about like getting the girl is about, you know, like, no, I mean, the, the beautiful thing about Peter is that is no matter how well he, he like saves the day, how often he saves the day and no matter what good comes to him, some bad stuff is coming like always, like he just is, is a magnet for it. And this movie ends with him probably as happy as he's ever going to be. Um, or at least so that we've seen at this point and boom, we, we have the rug, like just come out from underneath him 
Um, he is outed to the world as far as his secret identity. Um, and he's labeled as a menace. Um, I, I cannot wait to see where they go from here. This, this is just, that was unexpected. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't, like, I think out of all the MCU movies that I'm waiting for now, this is like the Spider-Man third one is the one that I, I can't wait for the most. It's going to be interesting to see where they go with it because, if you think about it, at the end of the very first Iron Man movie, Tony Stark does that to himself. Yep. And yeah. and in the first, in Homecoming, he offers that option to Peter. And Peter says, no, I just want to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And, and he's like, oh, of course, that was a test. And of course, you know, really the reporters are on the other side. So, because, so, yeah, the, Peter is not Tony. And I think that's the one thing that's that's made clear about this too, where Happy tells him like you're not going to be Tony. Tony, as Ashley said, Tony's not even Tony, right? Um, he has to be Peter. And uh, although right after he says it, not even five minutes after he says that, he stares at Peter, uh, looking, uh, designing, redesigning his new suit. And he looks yeah. so much like Tony that Happy like is 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 smiling. Like, yeah, he might not be Tony, but he's certainly acting a lot like him. Well, that's um, the one thing I loved is you see how smart Peter is. Yes, in this movie, you see the whole thing when he was started talking about the alternate Earths and the parallel Earths and such. It was just amazing. And then for him picking up the equipment to build his own co- new costume, it was just like bam, bam, bam. But you also saw that he is a kid, true trusting and very naive. I like the idea that MJ was the one that found the holographic projector. Um, yeah, was but good. the fact that she didn't know what it was, I didn't like that. <laughs> I was like, I was like, these kids are smart. They 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 are the top of their like classes being like the in their school is being like the smartest kids like there should all maybe not on Peter's level but they should all be like really smart and uh, so I, I it's sort of what I mentioned about um, to Ashley that uh, that um, that yeah I think they could have been a little bit more science based as far as the kids goes but regardless I thought and by the way I thought uh, MJ was great in this uh, I thought. Uh, um it's it's obviously a different mj than we're used to see almost a completely 180 different version of mj than in the comics but it works for the mcu a lot it's it's interesting that you can take a character uh, or an actress that's completely the opposite of what the standard animated look is and make an amazing character out of it. I think it's isn't amazing it? that you ch- can take a somebody, a character that's known as being a white redhead, and cast her not white, and it still works really well. Yeah, huh. it's like they're almost trying to tell us <laughs> something. In fact, but it was interesting because if you notice, also though, when they went on their date at the end of the movie, her hair was more like the traditional Mary Jane Watson hair yes a lot more fuller and made to make her look more like and it was like no problems there i didn't have any problems with the actress i thought the chemistry between the two of them was great you actually felt the teenage angst at different points there is unquestionably 
Um, with okay, with maybe the exception. Well, no, okay. I'm, I was about to overstep my own bounds. One of the great things that the Marvel movie seems to be able to pull off really well is finding people who act great off of each other and have real chemistry. Um, from you know, uh, uh, Paul Rudd and his crew in Ant Man or the Guardians of the Galaxy crew, um, uh, Sebastian Stan and Chris Evans together, um, you know, and and I guess now with with the Spider Man group, all those people, everybody in that are believable, appealing characters, and they all play off of each other really well. Yeah, great ensemble casts. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now we got to talk about the post-credit scene, which is not really Spider-Man based at all. Uh, it doesn't really have much to do with Spider-Man, but it does give us a clue, maybe as to maybe the next phase or the next chapter in the MCU. Uh, we see uh, Fury and Hill are not Fury and Hill. Uh, they are the scrolls uh, that we met at in Captain Marvel. Now, there's no way of knowing when this switch was made. I'm assuming it was made just before the blip, we'll say, because I can't imagine that the MCU is going to try to tell us that that Fury and Hill have been scrolls this whole time. I don't think they have been. I, I, I don't think you can, because if you do that, then it doesn't explain how he got the eye patch. Well, oh, sure no, 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 no. He got the eye patch at the end of Captain Marvel. I mean, Captain- right, right. But what I'm saying is, you know, I mean, is this a case where he left at that time to go with them? Right. That's or, what I'm saying. Like, you he, know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, but it, that's why my bet is that the the first time we see the scroll version of Fury and Hill are when we see them at the end of Infinity War. That's my that's my own personal. I haven't I have nothing to support this other than my own personal feelings. But uh, your mileage may vary. But what's really interesting about that is that okay, so they're on uh they're on earth they've been fearing hill they they have so they're over some organization which is never called shield but we don't know what it is <laughs> so it's like shield but it's not shield because uh, well, shield, shield is on tv if you go into the comics it's sword protects the earth from alien menace well, they never yeah. say that no not in the movie yeah we don't know uh so you know i don't know yeah it's and sword is different sword is protected from the which yeah that doesn't have anything to do with what uh fury and and hill are doing here um so anyway shield like shield yeah whatever um but it's revealed that fury is commanding or on a scroll spaceship it looked more like a space station or something, almost. So yeah. he's in space with the scrolls. So that leads me to believe that, yeah, we are not by any means done with the scrolls yet. That oh no, something something's coming with the MCU that involves the 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 universe and space and the scrolls. Well, did you happen to notice that the 
familiar beach scene that Fury was sitting in front of? Tahiti. Tahiti. Yeah, I've noticed like that Tahiti. too. It's a magical yeah, place. Well, I I did notice that, but A, they don't call it Tahiti, and B, the movie universe, the MCU, has done a pretty good job at saying that nothing in the TV shows matter to us at all. No. Yeah, which I know, so, but so, it, it was the same, literally the same beach. I mean, we were lucky to get, uh, you know, uh, the casting that, that we did in um, Endgame that uh, we mentioned that that was actually an acknowledgement of something that happened on, a, on the, one of the TV shows. But in any case, any any thoughts about where the MCU might be going from here based on what we've seen? Is it feasible that we could wind up seeing Secret Invasion? Sure. Sure. I mean, this kind of uh, this kind of shows that seed, doesn't it? It yeah. could, or Kree Scroll War. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Right, because truthfully, in the comics, the scrolls are the bad guys. Right. And obviously, how they've started portraying them right from Captain Marvel, they're not. And unless it's all a big ruse for the next steps. Or unless this is some like little group of scrolls. Like you maybe have, there's you another. Don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like this is a tribe of scrolls that are just like, you know, not they're good, but um, maybe some there are, maybe there are some bad scrolls out there. We don't yeah. Know. But it, it leads into a lot of stuff, but you know, I'm more curious to see what happens to Peter even. Me too. Me too. Than seeing what happens with fury in space. Now, I think that they could, like, part of me is like, well, surely Fury, Hill, even the Avengers could back Peter up and and all this stuff that's out there about him, they could, you know, all it would take is somebody like, um, you know, the Falcon or somebody like that to go public and say, like, no, Peter's a good kid. It's not really true, blah, blah, blah. Like, right. and, and, and that could work to an extent so that it wouldn't be so bad, but obviously that's not the Peter Parker universe that we're used to. Peter Parker is going to be running through the ringer, like nobody's business in the next movie. I'm sure. Oh yeah. I just hope they don't bring in Mephisto. That's all I have to say. Right. Um, I'm thinking we'll probably, maybe this will allow us Scorpion. Um, because, you know, we saw him at the end of homecoming. And asking Vulture for information. And he's like, hey, if I knew who it was, I'd have killed him. Um, and, and now it's been announced. I would honestly feel bad for the Vulture character in prison right now. Um, because of the fact that it's now obvious that, that he lied yeah. to protect the yeah. kid. So, I mean, it's... There's some, yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things. It's it's unlike anything that Tony Stark has done. If something happens, there are repercussions. Um, and I, I, I look at things like that in the long run, like how deep does the announcement of his identity go? How far-reaching is that? I can't wait to see uh, uh, Flash Thompson's reaction. Oh gosh! Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and again, especially if he would rather believe that Spider-Man killed Mephisto, the good guy, 
and then find out that it's that dork Peter Parker on top of everything else who punched him out, who knocked him out, um, and may have also inadvertently launched a drone strike on one of his other classmates. Oops. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of silly. But um, and you said for the listeners out there, you said Mephisto, but you meant Mysterio. I know. Uh, and yeah, if it does turn out that Mephisto uh, is in the next movie, then I'm going to play, I'm going to say right here, the movie's going to be called Brand New Home. Uh, oh. So um, I, I would imagine that Home is going to be in the title of the third movie. It I would mean, be a missed opportunity to not have it. I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. So I guess we're, it's down to ratings now. Uh, so uh, tell us how you really feel about it, Ashley, on a scale of one to five web shooters. I feel like uh, four is a good score for this one. There's a lot of fun things in it. Um, it's a good summer popcorn movie. Got superhero action, some funny stuff, um, really great characters as we're still waiting to see what happens in the MCU going forward. Um, I think we can all say at least that we're excited to see what's going to happen to Peter Parker and Spider-Man. So we know that at least this is on a good track. So I enjoyed seeing it, got to see it twice already. And I think it's a good, good addition to the MCU. Awesome. Alex. Oh, jeez. One to five um, Peter Tingles. <laughs> on on <laughs> scale of one to five Peter. Thank you for giving me Peter Tingles. That's nice. Um, uh, there's the there's the sound clip. Um, <laughs> works, for, works for me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Previously um, on Earth Station One. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I I so wanted to like this more than I did. I so wanted to like this more than I did. Um. There's a lot of great in this movie. There's a rewatchability factor. There are things that you can watch and go, huh, didn't notice that before. That's the mark of a good film. It's a three for me. I just didn't. And understand, again, seeing it in IMAX, I saw nothing in the film that made me go, I need to see this on the big screen. All right, Mike. Um. <sighs> I always hate agreeing with way, Alex. By the way, on a scale of one to five, Edith I know. passes. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, a couple different things. Uh, hated agreeing with Alex because he's completely right on a lot of those issues. I love Spider-Man. I love the character. I love the actor. I think overall I was expecting I had high hopes for this. But something about it just was very predictable. Um, the things that blew me away with it though, was Mysterio's effects, especially when he had Peter in the hallucination in the, and the holograms and stuff. Oh, that stuff was, we didn't give that. Yeah, that that was just that. amazing. And, and that looked like it came straight out of the comic book too. There was a lot of that, that felt very classic. Yeah, the, uh, oh, very much. Spider-Man the, in his hand was right from the comic book. Yep. Yep. And, and the um, scenes yeah. with uh like, you know, undead corpse Tony were really creepy. Oh god, yeah. yeah. That, that, was... that was a little nod to the Marvel zombies and everything yep. right there. You also had four other Spider-Man villains in this that were pretty much uncredited. The even though they were illusions, um you had um the four different natural disaster monsters were Hydro-Man, Sandman, Cyclone, and Molten Man. 
Mm. Yeah. And so it was pretty neat to see. And so I liked it a lot. I don't know if I'll watch it again just for multiple reasons. You know, if it's on, you know, like FX or Marvel streaming, I'll probably, you know, watch it. It won't be like a channel stopper or anything. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. All right. Well, uh, I am going to be the... How many May? How many Aunt Mays are you getting? <laughs> twelve. Twelve. Oh. <laughs> how, how, oh many, come on. She gets better looking as she gets older. God. How many? How many Aunt May crushes I, am I giving this? <laughs> how many? How, how many? How many beard blips? Uh, blip <laughs> yeah. beards. Yeah. How uh, many restraining orders are you going to get for Aunt May? No. Uh, <laughs> right. I really love this movie. Um, uh, I I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, it was better than I expected going in. Uh, I don't know if I wasn't expecting as much as you guys, uh, but uh, um, it had some great Spider-Man moments in it uh, that I, I really appreciated. Um, and I thought it was a good sort of, you know, um, epilogue to the MCU, at least the phases that we've, you know, the 10 years that we've had. Uh, and and not only that, it sets up brilliantly what's to come, at least for as far as the Spider-Man uh, movies go, the Spider-Man part of the MCU. And I can't, I don't think I've ever been more excited for, to see a Spider-Man movie than I am, you know, to see the next one. So I'm going to give it four and a half. Uh, I'm going to go that high on it. Um, And I don't buy, I don't buy movies on Blu-ray and DVD all that often anymore, but I'm, I'm adding this one to my collection for sure. And I'd be watching this one over and over again. So, um, so yeah. That's it. Cool. And uh, since uh, I'm last, that's the last word. Um, It's awesome. Um, So anyway, we want to hear what you thought of the new Spider-Man movie and where it can go from and where the MCU can go from here. Um, And so we will talk about that a little bit more um, uh, on a, on a next show, I think. Uh, But, uh, um, and in the meantime, thanks guys. And we will be right back with the ESO network con report. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the live-action Aladdin movie. So, after being out for a while, I finally got to see the live-action Aladdin movie. I had heard more bad than good about this movie, so I was worried. However, I am not one for making, my own, not one for making decisions before I see something, so I was glad that I didn't listen to everyone, because I did enjoy this movie. Yes, it was lacking in some places as compared to the animated films, but it did make up for it in other places. I did enjoy Will Smith as the genie. He was funny and made it his own while keeping some of the jokes and gags that we all love from Robin Williams' version of the character. I really liked the added character of Jasmine's handmaiden. I thought that she added a really unique way for them to tell Jasmine's story and have a person for her to talk to and portray her character's ambitions and struggles better with than in the animated film where she just did them to Raja and it worked out for an animated version. But I thought having the other girl there with her really, really helped. 
I was sad that the Sultan was not as sweet and wonderful and silly as he was in the animated film, since you can't help but love that sweet animated Sultan. But he also seemed to play a slightly smaller role in the live-action film. Abu and the carpet made this movie. They were funny, they were very much like their animated counterparts, and all the scenes with them were an absolute joy. I was laughing all the time when, with what they were doing. Overall, I didn't really have any huge blaring complaints about this movie. I like the new songs that were added into the film, I liked the take on the old songs, and I enjoyed the visuals. Jafar was probably the most lackluster thing about the movie to me since he didn't seem as evil as his animated counterpart. So I'm glad that I went and saw this Aladdin in the theaters just like I saw the old Aladdin in theaters. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. For the week of July 10th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report. Well, here's where you can find ESO Network folks uh, for the next couple months, starting with this weekend, July 12th through the 14th, Fanboy Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee. Alex Autry, who's on this very podcast, We'll be attending, uh, looking around and getting some autographs. Also, Richard Ewell of the uh, PWR Spot Show, as well as the Nerdy Laser Podcast, will be there. He'll be actually working, even. He'll be volunteering. So uh, if you've ever wanted to meet those two individuals or you have something to say uh, to them, uh, they will be there. So reach out to them and uh, say howdy. Um, Over here in the Atlanta area is the Atlanta Comic-Con that is happening the same weekend, July 12th to the 14th. Mike and I will be there. Actually, there'll be a bunch of mics that are going to be there on Saturday to do some panels uh, starting with, I believe what, what's our first panel in the morning. It's at 10, 11, 11 AM. We are doing, so you think you want a podcast. So the intro to podcasting one Oh one. And that's with you, me, and that's actually, is Faulkner on that one as well? Faulkner is on that one as well. Okay, so you got three mics out of the Council of Mics on that one. And then uh, in the afternoon, we have at 1.30 p.m., we have what is next for the Marvel MCU. You know, now ah. that it should be a lot of fun. goes with this episode, actually. Absolutely, it does. So, uh, so yeah, we're... Uh, we're going to be talking all about that speculations. It'll be interesting to see because that'll be audience participation for sure. Oh yeah. I'm really eager to hear where a lot of people think it's going to go from here on. So, you know, we don't know much anyway, so it's okay. You know, that's, that's pretty much a general rule when it comes to panels period. Uh, we just don't know much. So, uh, and then, uh, then Mike Skittle, he, he gets to go at home and uh, I will be, uh, um, hosting a panel with Mike Faulkner and Mike Bailey. We're uh, concentrating on the 80 years, 80 year anniversary of Batman. So we'll be doing that at 10 PM. So, so yes, plan on being there for a while and hang out with us. Uh, Cause yes, we'll, we'll substitute one mic for another, but there'll be uh, a lot of uh, mics 
on the scene. Well, so. you're not allowed to do a panel there without three mics. That's the rule. <laughs> that's that's the rule indeed. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So we hope to see you out there uh, this Saturday, July 13th. Um, now, the week after that, July 28th, actually, it's two weeks after that, sorry. Uh, two weeks after that, July 28th, is the Atlanta Comic Convention, which is a one-day show. Mike and I love hanging out at that one. Uh, actually, we don't hang out together. We love hanging out with other people at that show because Mike usually has the morning shift and then I show up in, in the afternoon and take over from there. So, um, But we'll be uh, walking around, shopping, uh, saying howdy to people. So if you are going to go and you want to say howdy to us, uh, reach out to us and we'll meet, meet up with you. Maybe we'll even do a little bit of lunch at uh, Fellini's, have some pizza. It's always fun. Um, and uh, speaking of one-day shows, uh, we go into August. August 3rd is a new one-day show in Smyrna, Georgia called Legion Comic Con. And I believe it's held at a Legion Air, right? Uh, Legion. Uh, yeah, an American Legion. American Hall. Legion facility, right. Yes. So that's why that's where it gets its name, not a Legion of Superheroes thing. Um, but there will be going on with that. <laughs> <laughs> but there will be uh, a ton of fun. It's going to be a great show. We're looking forward to supporting this, this new one-day show in the area. And so that is August 3rd. Mike and I will both be attending. I believe we'll be set up. And uh, we'll be interviewing or interacting with people. We haven't figured out exactly all the details, but we'll be there and we'll have a blast doing it. We hope to see you there as well. And then, of course, everything, everything culminates in the granddaddy of them all. At the end of August, August 29th through September 2nd, is Dragon Con. And that, of course, is in Atlanta, Georgia, our own backyard. But it feels like it's a different world, and a lot of ESO Network folks are going to be at that, including Mike and myself. We're still getting panels get together and all that kind of stuff, so we'll give you more information as we have it. But if you want to find out the latest news and everything associated with DragonCon, please check out the DragonCon Con report. We've recorded seven, six of those episodes. We're about to record seven. We've recorded six of those episodes, so check those out and get ready to to con as we say so uh we are looking forward to that so if you've got a convention that we haven't mentioned that you want to rant and rave about or you want us to help participate in with panels and what have you please reach out to us because we love talking about and participating in conventions but we're not done hold on for a second as we are sitting today with jamie from atlanta comic-con welcome to earth station one hi thanks for having me so the big show is less than a week away, and probably by the time we're, people are listening to this, it's going to be just about to start. Are you guys excited? We are super excited. We're really excited to be back in Atlanta. All the have all the nerds come out. We're we're ready for them. <laughs> it was a great first time show last year, and you know a lot of you know Atlanta is not used to having a true comic book show like you guys put on you know they have dragon con they have momo con they have all these other shows but this is a true straight on comic book show yes that that is our major base our owners are actually very huge comic book fans and that's why they wanted to bring it to atlanta because there is such a niche uh for for this type of thing um as you said, with Dragon Con and Momo Con, we know the people are there, and that's why we wanted to bring it back to Atlanta. 
Atlanta, you know, is almost like a hub for geekdom because of, you know, all the filming and the movie industry that's here. And just generally, you know, it's been a very geek hub for <laughs> many, many years. And, you know, Dragon Con's over 30 years old, Momocon and a few other of the shows that they have throughout the year. Like they have an anime show, they have had Doctor Who shows, and they've had, you know, other things like that. But they never had a true multi-day comic show. And it's just amazing that you guys brought it last year and it succeeded and it was wonderful. Yay. Well, we're, we're excited to be back and we've got a lot of new guests and, and celebrity guests, both and comic book guests coming. So we're, we're ready for, for it. Well, you opened the door to it. So (laughs) let's, let's jump in with both feet. Who do you guys have this year? Uh, so some of our, our big names this year, we have uh, Val Kilmer, who was Batman and Batman Forever. And so we're excited to have him trying to bring in that that comic book. Um, Bonnie Wright from Harry Potter, Ryan Hurst from Sons of Anarchy, um, Adam Baldwin, one of my favorites from Firefly. I loved Firefly when I was growing up. So I'm, we've got a lot of really cool people that are coming. Oh, it sounds like it. And you have people across all different types of media and you have voice actors, you have, you know, people from TV, movies, it's just, and comic, tons of comic book, you know, related material too, like artists and writers and such. Mm -hmm. So that is pretty awesome. And you guys are at, not at any of the hotels or anything. You guys are at the World Congress Center, correct? Yes, that's correct. And which hall are you guys going to be in this year? Uh, we're in Hall C1. Okay, C1, and it is from the 12th to the 14th. What are the hours for the show? Uh, so Friday, we open at noon. We go all the way till midnight. The exhibit hall will close at 7, but like I said, midnight is when we keep doing all of the panels. So even if you think that you missed it at 7 o'clock, we're still open. So uh uh, Saturday, we open at 10 a.m. all the way again till midnight. And then Sunday is our last day. So that's 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. That sounds awesome. And, you know, it just, it's incredible. And, you know, us here at Earth Station One, we actually are hosting two panels on Saturday at your show. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and so we are going to be talking about how to get into podcasting, by a matter of fact. And we're going to be doing that at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And then at 1.30, we're going to be talking all about the Marvel MCU and where it's going to be going and such. Oh, that's great. Well, you'll be there bright and early. So everyone don't miss out. <laughs> oh, definitely. I know our, one of our co-hosts, Mike Gordon is going to be on a Batman panel on Saturday at 10 PM. So oh, you, you guys have you be there all night. <laughs> so it is awesome. And you know, world Congress center is a great location for you guys and room to grow and such. And, Year two, this is, you know, this is going to be your sophomore year already. And so this is going to be real interesting to see how you guys do. And I wish you guys the best. Awesome. Thank you so much. (laughs) Any final thoughts before we head out for the day? Uh, Just come on down. It's really for anyone and anyone and anybody. You don't have to be a giant geek, but we want you to come out and have fun with us. It is super family friendly and everyone can come. Excellent. And one more time, how can people find you on the web? Uh, sure. Our official website is atlantacomiccon.com. 
uh, you can find us there. Uh, you could follow our Facebook. Uh, all of the tickets can be found on there on your tickets. Fantastic. Jamie, thanks so much for your time. And let's take a quick break and we'll be back with the show close. Sure. Thanks for having me. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Alex, thank you so much, my friend. Oh, dude, always a pleasure to get the chance to talk movies with a, a, a truly fantastic uh, roundtable here. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, you know what? It, it's not, it's kind of very generic, and um, but sometimes you just kind of need to do that. Support your local theaters, uh, both movies and stage. A lot of people do a lot of hard work and um, don't get enough credit. So support local artists, support local theaters. That's why we love going to Aurora because it's locally owned. Yeah. So Of course. And Ashley. Oh, thank you. I was looking forward to this all day. So I love talking movies with you guys. Anything Ashley, you want to... Sh- oh. Ashley, we missed you seeing Weird Al. We were all together. I know. I was very sad. I've never seen Weird Al live. That's like a bucket list item. I, From what I've heard, he's just fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely fantastic. Yeah. And, and when you do go see him, make sure you get three other seats so we can come join you. There you go. Sounds good. <laughs> exactly, because she makes all that money doing the yes, movie yeah, reviews. Yes, it's my treat. Just flights for so class. much money being an a, a, A-list member. So. Yeah, so <laughs> it's probably the closest I'll ever get to A-list is my $20 a month AMC <laughs> membership. But <laughs> Anything oh, well. you want to shout out about? Yeah, um, so I'm continuing to blog um, reviews of all the new summer movie reviews on the ESA website. And in between them, I'm working on a special project. Um, Almost a decade late, I have finally started watching Game of Thrones. So I've uh, been enjoying watching that and then blogging my way through that as well. So my next post should be up about that soon. So I'm glad kind of better late than never, but I'm finally on board. So it's, it's been fun so far. That is awesome. Really cool. And Mikey, as always, it's my pleasure. What are you going to shout out about, sir? Uh, I'm going to give a shout out uh, once again. I know we talked to uh, the Geek Father earlier in this episode, but I'm going to give a shout out again to the Blurred Nerds podcast because uh, they invited me to join them and rant and rave about uh, how much geekdom has changed over the years. And uh, being the old fogey that I am, I was well aware of a lot of things that have changed. So, um, it was a fun discussion, uh, and uh, I, I can't thank uh, Jen and Celis enough for having me. And um, yeah, I'd say check out their podcast, and not just the one that I'm on. Nope, they have put out a good stuff. It's on my playlist already, which is pretty awesome. My shout out, real quick, is going to an old friend who is now retiring after 67 years. That's right, folks. Mad Magazine is finally going the way of the dodo. Alfred E. Newman is finally retiring. Exactly. He doesn't have to worry anymore. So it is great for the memories that Mad Magazine brought me as a kid into a teenager. And I just loved what it evolved into. It, you know, sense of humor, my way of thinking and you know my warpness it's just it's, it was just awesome and you know it was fun taking the cut the back pages and 
you know, crinkling them together to make the other image. And it was just always a, t- a ton of fun looking at the Sergio Aragonis cartoons on the, in the, the sides and everything. And the, it was just awesome. Don Heck and, you know, there's just Al Jaffe, you know, you could keep on going and going all the different artists and writers and just, it was just, it was a great memory. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know it was still being published. So, you know, I'm not surprised when DC announced that they were, you know, basically putting it to sleep and, you know, kind of goes back with what we were talking about last week in the rants and raves about vertigo going away and DC consolidating everything. So it really pretty much all ties together in some ways. So it will be very interesting to see, you know, will anything come up and try to replace it or was that, will that side just disappear? That's for future episodes to talk about. And speaking of future episodes, join us next week when we are going back to doing an ESO book report. That's right. The book club is back. Mike, Judy, Mike Gordon, and Kirby are going to be talking all about the Jack Kerouac classic, On the Road. So it should be a lot of fun to talk about. It's one of my favorite books. And, you know, it inspired a whole generation. So it should be very interesting to see what these guys thought about it. Yeah, that's in, what you get when the uh, when you're not the hippie Jews. Damn straight. Remember that <laughs> each time. I'm going to be pulling classic literature for you guys to educate yourselves. So it should be very interesting to see what we go for. But until then, my name is Mike Faber. It's been my pleasure talking to you all. And we'll see you here next time on your Station One podcast. Peace. And we're done. Yay. Boom. Let's go swing away, kids. (laughs) You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.